Welcome to Media Plus from the Mac Observer with me, Charlotte Henry. We like to look at the world of digital media and Apple's place within it. And I'm absolutely thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant and, let me say, London-based tech journalist, Steve O'Hare from TechCrunch. How nice to see you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing good, yeah. Good, um, good, good. Yeah. Now, those of you who you should be following Steve on Twitter and, and elsewhere, and he'll we can give out his details at the end of the show, but... You kind of cover a lot of the startup scene here in London and Europe more widely. You seem to scoop everyone on what the VCs are up to. What, what, tell us a bit more about your beat, Steve. Yeah, no, I cover um, European startups. So, like, trying to figure out who is going to be, the, you know, the first Facebook of Europe, or I guess we have Spotify and people Do still talk about Spy? Stripe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and I cover, that includes covering, like, early-stage companies, when they first get funding, their product launches, and as you mentioned, uh, venture capitalists and who is investing in these in these European tech startups. That's kind of my beat. Yeah, and all that stuff is always worth watching. So as I said, we'll link to Steve's Twitter and other stuff in the show notes. Uh, and there's a couple of very specific reasons. There's lots of reasons I wanted Steve on the show, not just because we wanted to talk about football because we support the same team, but also because... Um, we want to talk about a couple of things that are happening. And the first, before we get to that, though, I just wanted to mention that uh, we're recording this the day after the Golden Globes. And Apple has won its first ever Golden Globe. Jason, Jason Sudeikis won uh, Best Actor Award for his performance as Ted Lasso in Ted Lasso, uh, which is a pretty staggering achievement. It's, you know, just over two years old. Uh, Apple TV Plus, it's now got a Golden Globe. It was it had three nominations last year and didn't win any. The morning show had three nominations. But so finally Apple's cracked that at the second time of asking, which is pretty impressive. Um, and so we'll, we'll probably do a bigger review season roundup. I, I did one with Brian Chaffin when we knew all the nominations. As we kind of get the results in, I'll uh, do a bit, bit more of a roundup of where it all leaves Apple in maybe in a couple of weeks' time. But yeah, I just wanted to mark that Apple has got its first Golden Globe. But the, moving on to our main couple of topics for today. Uh, a few weeks ago, back actually, goodness, it was nearly two months ago, now, a month or so ago now, it was uh, back in January, uh, Review, the newsletter starts, uh, newsletter publisher, um, got bought by a small little company called Twitter. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because it's Twitter buying, so I think that's kind of interesting. Two, because Review had kind of got washed away by sub the hype around Substack, which is another newsletter publication platform. Steve, what was your take on this when you first heard the Review news? Because I think you'd, you'd experimented with it a bit, hadn't you? You'd used it a bit. Yeah, no, I think I was, I think I was the first journalist to cover uh, review um, based in the Netherlands, if I've got that correct, and um, yeah, so it's a European-based company, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I have, I've used it for my own newsletter for since more or less the very beginning, because it actually, it, it actually has a couple. We can get into this, but it has a couple of quite cool features, not necessarily enough to really, disting, you know, distinguish itself from other platforms, but it had a couple of nice little twists that I liked. That's, that's how I discovered it. And then I covered them. Um, so I was really pleased to see them um, get acquired by Twitter. Not necessarily because I think Twitter is going to make an amazing success 
of them because Twitter is sometimes the place where startups, like I'm thinking like Vine. Yes, you know, the, Vine was the, yeah. the first thing that came yeah. to my mind when I heard this news. Yeah. They go to die, right? They go to yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can do your own jokes about Vine withering at Twitter, but yeah. Very good. Uh, and like, so in that sense, it's not necessarily a positive, but um, the review, they were always... So the founder, I thought, always really understood why newsletters were going to become relevant again, which is played out. But they always seemed chronically underfunded and didn't, I don't think they had a very big team, right? So in that sense, they need the resources of some someone like a Twitter to, to I guess, catch up with um, other platforms. So in that sense, I was like, please, hopefully they're going to get the resources and the extra reach but obviously you're hoping that Twitter is not going to, yeah, it's not going to do a vine on them. Um. Yeah. And we have seen, if you look in the Twitter web app and things on twitter.com, there is a newsletter option now within Twitter. So it's already, the integration is starting. Um, and I want to discuss how the two products might integrate in the future. Um, but just to pick up on your point about funding or lack thereof, uh, according to Crunchbase from, from you guys at TechCrunch, um, Review has raised about 400,000 euros from various angel investors, which is, you know, you and I would both take it, but it's not huge money by tech or Silicon Valley standards. Yeah, no, it's tiny. Right. Um, um, so. And so obviously Twitter has the resources, you say, to put in a lot more money to this product that some people like, you know, like you were saying, are, are really dedicated to and really like. Yeah, no, exactly. And the, the vision they had originally was they kind of cottoned on to this idea that um, that newsletters were not only about marketing, right? Because there, there are older platforms that are really about companies sending you, you know, a news, we, we all get them, right? A newsletter every week telling you about new products or a sale yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And you're like, Message oh my from God, our right? CEO. Right, yeah. Like, why did I subscribe to this? Well, it turned out when you, when you checked out, uh, uh, you know, the store, you kind of you opted in or whatever, right? So like, that, there's platforms that do that stuff really well, um, and the founder of Review caught on to the idea of, you know, with with a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of especially journalists and, and people or so-called influencers, like they needed a more of a long form platform and blogging and RSS has kind of gone away or somehow it's a bit sad really, but like. So he, I'm he glad you're sad about it because I'm sad about it too because I started doing journalism through blogging, and I, it will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, this is an Apple focused podcast, but like for years and years and years, I used the RSS reader within Safari. I mean, right. religiously, right. right, to track all my news and stay on top of what other journalists were up to. Um, but hey, that's probably another long, long winded story. But RSS sort of died kind of when Google bought FeedBurner and then didn't really, I think, continue developing it properly or whatever. So like, so newsletters, in a sense, are the new the new way of subscribing to some of your favourite writers. Mm. Um, and then, as, as you know, like, certain journalists have even left and quit their publications to go solo, right? Absolutely, Cause, yeah. Cause you, yeah. And some are doing pretty nicely. Right, exactly. So the review got onto that um, really early, but they also realised that the barrier to writing a newsletter was quite high in terms of the amount of work it takes, and it does. I mean, I, I'm I'm sporadic with mine because some 
you know, months or weeks, I can't face doing it. I just let's the word. Um, particularly if you like, no, no. If particularly, I well, there's two dilemmas, isn't there? If it's your only thing, you have to really commit to it and make mm-hmm. it pay. And if it's not your only thing, you have to fit it in. Right, and exactly. And I, I'm the fitting it in category. Right. And and also, I, I feel like if I don't really have much to say, I don't. I hate you know like columnists that are paid every week to write a column, and sometimes you can tell. They're struggling to be passionate about a certain subject, <laughs> right? So, so, um, so, but, so what? So what? Review had so was clever is they had some tools that were more around curation. So they had this. So it was funny they actually support RSS. So you can pull in RSS feeds, and they appear in the sidebar, and you can just drag and drop those articles from the RSS feed to then add your own little bit of commentary. Now that's a neat little feature. And you can also embed tweets and embed YouTube videos like really easy. So it has this sort of low hanging way of quickly and then got like a bookmarking system so you can bookmark this stuff and it turns it, it ends up in your review um CMS. So you can like spend your week, you know, doing your thing on the web, essentially sort of bookmarking tweets, YouTube videos and and news articles, and then that appears in review in your sidebar and you can very quickly drag them onto the onto the newsletter template bash a few words in, right, and send it out. So it was this idea that curation was also going to be a form of content and that the, the person's inbox was the place for it to land. So because no one else has really figured out a better way of, quote, unquote, subscribing yeah. to that type of content. And that was kind of the premise. And that that's played out, right? And then and then they uh, add... Yeah. They, There's yeah. one issue that I want to pick up on, and then we'll come to that when we talk about Substack yeah. as well. And then they did monetize it more recently... They offered monetization. They offered a way for people that write popular newsletters to then charge their users to access those newsletters. A bit like kind of Patreon for newsletters, right? Yeah. um, Yeah. So the interesting thing about review and sub Substack is they have, as you so rightly put it, massively lowered the barriers to entry for doing this kind of journalism, this kind of curation work, however you want to use that platform. Mm -hmm. Because there used to be all sorts of fiddly ways you could do it, and it was even more fiddly if you wanted someone to pay you. There were platforms that you could do it, and you know, as you mentioned, Patreon, everyone will be thinking of MailChimp. There's ways around it, but it was always a bit of a pain. Now... Substack and review have made it really easy. Um, the thing about Substack is it clearly was about writers from the beginning, wasn't it? So Substack has been the kind of talk of the town in journalism until we get to the next subject we're going to talk about, yeah. which is Clubhouse, which has become the next big thing in journalism. But Substack, everyone's kind of got a bit obsessed with recently. It has kind of interacted some big names, uh, as you said. And I've been trying to work out what the different offer is. Why would you pick one of these platforms over the other? I don't know if you have any insight into that. For me, the obvious answer is if you are a prolific Twitter user who generates lots of uh, traffic to whatever you're, where you, wherever you publish stuff via your Twitter account, integrating your newsletter with Twitter is a really obvious thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, in some ways they're much of a muchness, right? If you want to, if you want to write a newsletter and you, and you're big enough to be able to charge for it, both platforms are able to do that. Um, 
I think I think really the Twitter synergy it's a really good fit in terms of you know tweets are constrained in their length. People have more to say. Why not bring that oh, longer they do. form? Yeah, yeah. Why not bring well? Yeah, Clubhouse. We we'll get to that. <laughs> Why not bridge the gap between you know a curated newsletter that can still be quite tweet heavy with 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 the sort of Twitter microblogging, I guess that people used to call it. Um, but it's interesting because with Substack, I think I think it was a CEO, but they tweeted or they wrote a tweet or something saying like they can't believe how many journalists are at publications but churning out their newsletter as a sideline, right? And and as if this was, like, controversial. And I think I tweeted back saying, you know, that, that, that Substack or newsletters are the new Twitter and that if a publication said you can't be on Twitter, you would probably tell them to F off as a journalist, right? Well, and the point is no publication would want that because they want you to help raise attention to the content on the site. Right. And that's where you get into this this kind of terribly self-indulgent idea of like, like I, I'm a bit old school, right? I think you're only as good as the publication you write for, okay? But then in the new world, the publication is only as good as the individual journalist brands it can attract. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, Substat is like an extension of that that sort of conversation and, and I guess review too, and certainly I, I use review. Um, but the problem is when you see journalists quit a publication and go solo and are trying to do these these sort of kind of analysis kind of form of journalism, right, which as you will know is only one part of journalism yep. anyway, which is analysis, but it's fine. They, they do it really well. But at some point... I feel like we're coming full circle because what's going to happen is, just like in the early days of blogging, um, users, readers, they can't keep up, right? They're going to be like, I like that writer, I like that writer. That's a great newsletter. But how many newsletters do you want landing in your email at different times? So I've heard the CEO of Substack talk about this. He says, he always says the answer to how many will people subscribe to is more than you think. Yeah, but in the end, what I'm saying is like, unbundling, which is what it is when a journalist leaves a publication, yeah. tends to always lead to rebundling or yeah. consolidate like some kind of um you know consolidated experience. So that's why as in Substat launched their own app, they're trying to be that sort of the almost like Well the they have a there's a sub, I, yeah. I played around with Substack. Um just I wanted to know about it, see how it worked, see if you could what it's like publishing on it and whatever. Um and it's, it's super easy to use. It's the easiest CMS you've ever seen. It's, um, and it, you know, you can easily add people and subscribe people. I can imagine if you were doing a paid, I, I can see from looking at it, if you wanted to get paid for doing it, it's a relatively easy thing to set up mm-hmm. being paid. All very good. Um, I, I, the bit that I also wonder, never mind the kind of, media ethics of it and who needs editors and is it just going to be loads of people's opinions not original reporting i also have been thinking about from a technological standpoint where does apple sit in all this should it be providing could it be providing some kind of similar publishing platform 
And if so, can it be bothered? You know, we've already seen Substack have to launch, has decided to launch uh, legal funds to protect some writers. Uh, particularly, there was apparently a particular issue in the US around local reporters being really heavily uh, chased by some mm. lawyers. So S- Substack has tried to set up a legal fund. You know, that to me sounds like the kind of territory Apple wouldn't ever want to be bothering to get involved in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they they may feel they need to. I mean, it's really strange, isn't it? Because if you've been an Apple Watcher for, I suspect, as long as both of us have, then, like, you know, Apple was the leader of democratising quote-unquote publishing, right? Their legacy was bringing publishing to the massives. Yeah, and Um, and of all sorts of content, written content, making it much easier to produce videos. Yeah, yeah, video, exactly. Um, Did great on video, great on music production when they bought um, eMagic and all that stuff. And, um, but, but this is the weird thing. They sort of, they, they sometimes go forward and then they, and then they, they miss it. So Mm -hmm. they were really good at podcasts. You can make a podcast relatively easy within GarageBand. And obviously they had the podcast app, which is where before podcasts became like crazy popular, that was literally where anyone who was weird enough to be into podcasts would get their podcasts. Yeah. And then, and, but then that app kind of was left to sort of get a bit dusty and other platforms. Have, have it's a pretty classic ahead. Apple move that yeah. some of this stuff gets less and you're just like, and it, it's not only software products that, that this has happened with. Um, exactly. But then conversely, Apple was sometimes very, very good when they come in super late right sure they, they they let the thing get established they see that no one's really nailed the user experience and they come in and they, they kind of mop up right sure but i don't know without being too controversial but you can't argue i would argue in the last i don't know it's hard to say but me and my me and my sort of best apple friend always say this but in the last number of x years i don't think apple has been very good at doing either of those moves Ooh. so i don't think apple has been particularly good at being First, we'll be leaving stumbling. Steve's email address in the show notes so you can email your abuse <laughs> to him, to, not me. <laughs> happy to take it. Or, and I don't think they've been that great at coming in late. So I don't know, you know. Yeah, I the car may change that. But in terms of the media, if you just look at the media offering, mm-hmm. you could say that it entered the streaming world relatively late. Okay, I know I started talking about a Golden Globe, but... I don't. For most people, Apple TV Plus, however much I like some of the content on there, yeah. hasn't really shaken up the streaming world. If particularly if you compare it to, say, what Disney Plus is doing, so I'm trying to see where a kind of newsletter publication type thing would fit in Apple world, and I can't quite see it yet. But I could, in the way that it made complete sense, how it sat in Twitter world. But maybe Apple's sort of way in isn't really about being necessarily the best newsletter-making platform, but maybe there's a way of bringing newsletters into a better experience, you know, within the mail app or whatever, because the problem I was sort of alluding to is if you want to subscribe to three, four, five, six, ten newsletters, I mean, decent sort of journalistic newsletters, to make your ideal quote-unquote, you know, newspaper, right? Like, there isn't really a good experience for that unless you're going to download the Substack app and have everything like where they own the whole ecosystem sort of vertically, which isn't really necessarily good either. So you kind of want an open platform, but with a vertical user experience, meaning 
best of class user experience, but an open platform, which is a little bit like the original podcast app. Yeah. I wonder if something like the news app could be a way to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically I said what metal, we... yeah. Yeah. So it's how old I am. Yeah, the news app's put it better. It, well, I think there's a way that could work, but basically what you and I have done in the last 20 minutes is gone full circle and reinvented RSS readers, I think. And that was kind of what, how I set it up. Yeah. This is sort of the point. In, in a sense, newsletters are the new RSS. Yeah, exactly. But with a bunch of people that have a lot to say. <laughs> yes. Now... Talking to people that have a lot to say. Yes, exactly. You probably cannot have failed to notice if you're listening to this show, the rise and rise and rise and rise and the notifications and notifications from a new app called Clubhouse. Well, it's kind of been loitering around and it's suddenly had a big bang moment, hasn't it, Clubhouse? Now, I've noticed you using it a lot, doing some, having some quite interesting conversations, Stephen, and doing different things. First of all, kind of give us clubhouse 101 perhaps and also what made you get interested in testing the waters perhaps Uh so clubhouse is it's an audio i guess audio talk platform where you can basically you log in and you can open a room which is and that's like a live audio stream so you can you can be talking live audio um and but where it's clever or different is that you can you can either co-host the room, so there could be five, six, however many people who um, can talk and the others listen, but you can also let the audience, the listeners, sort of you can add them to the stage temporarily so you can bring people from within the audience and give them the quote-unquote quote, the mic and let them talk. So this is, this is, okay, this is not really how a lot of people are using it, but that's a different sort of subtopic. But what is what is sort of interesting about it is it doesn't have to be one to many, the way social media typically becomes, right? Like, look how people use Twitter. A lot of people, they just broadcast to their followers. But Clubhouse has the potential to be many to many, or at least a few to many, rather than one to many. So I think that that's what excited me about it. Um, so it's a bit it, like it, having conversations in real life with real people. Yeah. Although there's still someone, you know that person in the pub table who still almost gets to decide who can talk. Oh, I remember pubs; they were fun. <laughs> still has that, but yeah, no, it, and it's it's, and it can be as intimate. I mean, I was in a clubhouse a few weeks back. There was a sort of music technology one, right? Right. And it started with just a, a mate of mine, uh, a really good app developer, Tim Exile. He was in there, and he said, "Steve, I'm on Clubhouse. Come and join." I popped in. There was only about five or six people. To start with, the conversation was a little bit all over the place. But by the end of the room, I think there was 20, 30, 40 people. I'm guessing I, mean, I left a bit earlier than that. But, um, but what I mean is so it can be really intimate. And all you get, like, Elon Musk was on it. And I, I don't know, I think it broke. I think yes, there were like thousands of people. Did, yeah. yeah, Mark Zuckerberg's been on it as well, hasn't he? Right. But that's the other extreme, you see. That kind of is the one to many of which social media is terrible for. Because it ends up being the and same And also people. reinforce, I mean, it's totally not a, de- I don't know if democracy is the right way of analogy, but it's a very hierarchical way of doing that yeah, kind of media. Yeah, it reinforces existing sort of power structures when it's that, when it's like that. It's like whoever's got the most followers yeah. or the audience, they just transfer that audience to another another platform. So that's, but that's, so that to me, whilst that got Clubhouse loads of publicity, 
I don't think that's the advert for, for Clubhouse. Like no. that's there's nothing new about that. No, I think you're right. There's a so there's a couple of bits I'm conflicted with it. So I am a huge, huge, huge radio fan. That's why I love doing this podcast. I like why well, I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to live radio. Um, so I'm kind of always inclined to audio-based products. I think we spend so much t- time looking at stuff that anything audio-based is really lively. But there's a couple of conflicts I have with it. I would like, and maybe they'll develop it, because am I right in saying that Clubhouse is still actually in beta, technically? Yeah, it's still technically in beta, uh, and it's iOS only, which right. um, has annoyed everybody on Android. Um, I have both, so I'm I'm agnostic, which means I can sneak into Clubhouse. Um, yeah, and it's, and I think you know they've already hinted they're gonna they're gonna let people monetize. So they're gonna right, let that, so you charge. preempted one of my questions. Yeah, and there's another thing that is a bit tricky, but right now Clubhouse is live only. There's no yes. official way of recording a Clubhouse this was now. The, the, yeah. This is what I was okay, going to say. Sorry, the two I'm, I'm, bits that I think are missing yeah. are the ability to go back and listen to a conversation that you might have missed. Like, I love the idea of live stuff happening in the moment. I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, you might see a conversation pop up on the notifications. And there are seem to be a lot of notifications at the moment in Clubhouse. Yeah. But... um you can't listen to it at that moment or, you know, for you and I are based here in London, there are conversations that happen on US time that we're not going to be around for, um, and but would like to listen to it at a different point. Sure. It's a shame that, that can't, there's no facility for, to listen back at the moment. And I definitely think they're going to have to bring in a way for people who spend time producing, essentially, you know, either moderating conversations or hosting kind of shows. Um. I think they're going to have to be in a way of monetizing that. So I mean, they said they, they said they are. Yeah. So the second one, the second one, I'm like ninety nine percent sure is definitely probably right. on the roadmap. The right. the archive one or the replay idea. The the problem I have with that is mm. that, and having done my own startup that had quite a big community element, and the community failed completely. Like the way you set these things up initially. I think really has an impact on the culture and the use cases and and just the whole vibe of a new social platform. So I feel like Clubhouse, that you can't easily record it or it's not meant to be recorded, and it has this sort of, um, you know, it's a bit more sort of disposable or fleeting. Yeah. Encourages a different sort of use case. So, for example, like, if you could record it... You're not making podcasts. Yeah, that's the point, exactly. And if you did... you. And it'll be actually, you know, I do a really good fintech one with Isabel um, Woodford from Sifted, and we plan it like a podcast. But we know it's the live. topics. It's live, and we have the guests lined up to match the topics. It's quite tightly. Well, it is now. The first one was terrible, but the second one like ran on time and finished and was punchy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It had pro- it had podcast production values, so it would be really cool to to archive that, make it a podcast, put it on the podcast RSS feeds. And bam, like that's it, job done. But you can't then do you that cha- today. but you have changed yeah. some of the kind of more freewheeling conversations, the kind of Elon Musk rocking up and all that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So while we were talking about before, I I'm not sure how Apple fits into the newsletter ecosystem. I can very much see some value if Apple was to like find some spare change under the sofa and scoop up Clubhouse. 
I could really see how that worked. It's iOS only anyway at the moment, as you've said. It you could easily integrate Clubhouse into podcasting. Absolutely. I can I can see much more Apple's role in that kind of world. Yeah, no, absolutely. But then again, I I sound like I'm anti Apple, but I'm no, no. I mean I'm practically made a movie on Apple. But like um they you know, they they could have they could have doubled down on podcasting, right? They could have absolutely owned podcasting and they haven't done. Apple. Yeah, Apple. Yeah, and they're now coming back behind a lot of other companies like Wondering, whatever. They're coming back, going back to making um, originals linked to Apple TV Plus shows and whatever. We think, you know, there are going to be offshoot shows, those kind of things. But yeah. But I mean, but I mean the tools, like... Yes, oh, I, absolutely. I recorded, a, I recorded a podcast on Saturday. I can't remember what platform the person was using. And it was an absolute doddle. They just sent me a link. Yeah. The, 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 the service records the audio um, locally at both ends. So it's not having to like, have one bad recording, no yeah. person good. And just things like that. And it was so simple. And I just yeah. thought, well, Apple for a while absolutely owned how to consume podcasts. And it could have just owned the whole ecosystem. The, yeah. way, the way it did for sort of home movie making or, yeah. you know, as you mentioned earlier, a whole plethora of stuff where... They they absolutely nailed. Yeah, that. I mean, if you wanted yeah. to make music at home, you had to buy a Mac. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would still argue you should, you still should. Yeah, you know. So. Well, it, it'll be an interesting one to see how these three products that we've discussed develop. No doubt, you'll be keeping an eye on it. I'll certainly be keeping an eye on it, and maybe we will have to have you back, Steve, as we see in six months or twelve months how these things have gone. But um, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people keep up with you and your work? So they, um, I'm on Twitter at so here, so at s o h e a r, or they can just doodle. It sounds so pretentious, but you can just doodle Steve over here. You may even just get away with Steve Tech Journalist. It's that easy. Listen, he's kind of a big deal. You'll find him. I'm less of a big deal. So I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter and, of course, over at themacobserver.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this show and we'll be back again next week. 